What have you always dreamt of? What have you always been passionate about? So let's figure out a way to let social media help you with that and help that be a part of your life or help it be your career. And it's totally, totally possible. It's like you have your own little personal TV channel. You can do with it what you want. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Welcome back to Get Clear with Crystal Ware. Today, we have something different and exciting. One of my new personal friends from right here in Houston, Texas. We have Brittany Crossan. She is a social media thought leader. She specializes in personal branding. She became the CEO and founder of the Social Sunshine Podcast and also Fun Love Media, which is an online marketing and media agency based here in Houston, Texas. She also created and started the Small Biz Social Society, which is a membership that helps ambitious entrepreneurs stand out on social media. And she has so much to offer in this respect because she herself has leaned into her authentic personality to create a wonderful social media presence on Instagram, TikTok, and she also does a lot on LinkedIn. So she has joined us today to talk about business ownership, about being a mom, a mompreneur, personal branding, social media, and so much more. So thank you and welcome to the podcast, Brittany. We are so excited. Thanks, Crystal. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. And I just want to start and launch in with, you know, one of those big, amazing um, data-driven points that people love to hear, 16 million views and counting on social media. So can you tell us a little bit about how this started and how you got to such a huge number? You know, it's it started when I was a child. Um, no, we won't. <laughs> we won't. We don't have to go into all that stuff. But the truth is that I've actually loved social media since I discovered MySpace back in like 2003. I've been a performer since I was a child, a dancer, and an actor. Um, and that was the plan was to be a professional performer, like to go to Hollywood and do the whole thing. Um, and when MySpace came out, I was in my early 20s and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. It's like one big stage to me. You know, I know that's not how everybody feels about social media, but that's how I felt. And I thought, this is so cool. I could just post something fun and anybody might see it. And so fast forward years later, after I used it for myself and explored, I helped uh, in the family business with the social media because um, my dad was like, what the hell is Facebook? I don't understand. <laughs> and so I helped with that and started helping business owner friends and, and turned it into a business. But as far as the views go, honestly, it's not... The views have not come from me talking about my business or even really necessarily talking specifically about social media in my content. It's really been my entertaining content that has gotten the views, which is pretty typical if anybody out there is familiar with content creation or with social media. It's not... Um, unusual if you have entertaining content to get more views. 
Because honestly, most people want to be entertained. You know, (laughs) it's just how we all are as humans. We want to get on there and smile or laugh or whatever. And I've been creating content for years. And it was just more recent years, I guess, the past like three or four years where the views started skyrocketing because the technology changed because TikTok came around and then Instagram Reels came around. And so someone like me that likes to dance and needs that music, you could incorporate it into your content easily. And you're allowed to, right? Like the copyright rules, like it's cool. You can use it. (laughs) So I started doing that and dancing, dancing on my treadmill, dancing on my spin bike on the floor, whatever, doing little sketches, having fun. And the views started rolling in. Well, I, we've got, I've got several questions to unpack from that, but I want to start with um, the question that uh, in case we have some people that may not be familiar with the dinosaur technology of MySpace, what is MySpace? You know, there could be some people out there listening that don't know what MySpace is. This is true. Um, I'm aging myself by talking about MySpace, I guess. But um, well, MySpace was, you know, like I said, it's back in 2003. Um, I was turning 23 that year. Um, LinkedIn, I actually had already had for about a year, but it was really more of like a um, kind of a resume site. Like you, there wasn't really much interaction the way there is now on LinkedIn. And I guess Twitter was soon to come maybe. But anyway, um, it was a social media platform. And it was it was really cool because you could show your personality. You could have music on your page. So like when someone went to your MySpace page, they'd hear whatever song you chose. You could decorate it and post whatever you wanted. So um, it wasn't like now, like with video, but you could post other things. And I thought it was the bee's knees. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it really was, uh, I mean, it was, it was social media. It was for everybody. Uh, but so many people even launched music careers off MySpace. Do you remember that? Yeah. So that, that was a big deal. Yeah. And so I, I was a music lover. I know you're a music lover. And I think that was the really interesting part for, um, young folks that, you know, you could highlight and show people and share like the music and other things that you loved. And then there was all these bands and um, different kind of cool, hip little enclaves of where you could hang out and learn. Um, and it's just so interesting to think back that that was really the starting space, the starting point and the the genesis of what was to come. Right. Yeah, it, so, was, it was very cool. I mean, we've come a long way, but that was 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And when when did you finally like get rid of MySpace? Gosh, I don't know. I, I don't know. When did he? That's a good question because um, I think I started using Facebook in 2009. So maybe it was around then. I don't know. I guess it faded as Facebook got more popular. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was one of the last people on Facebook. I, I think I also got on Facebook in 2009 and I actually deactivated my, my, my MySpace because I was like, this is too complicated. I don't want to have multiple things going on. Um, <laughs> but I remember because I was studying for the bar exam actually when um, I finally got on on Facebook and like everybody I knew in law school had Facebook. Um, but I I kept thinking, why would you need a Facebook when you have a MySpace? So <laughs> and <laughs> well, now, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, because you're saying the last one, and I'm like, if you joined in 2009, you were early, but not not for schools. Like school yes. students students had a, I wasn't a student, so I didn't have access earlier on like for my um, school that I went to or something because I wasn't going to a school. So yeah, um, but you're right. It was it was like this time where people shifted and I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe we need to bring MySpace back. 
<laughs> yeah. What would it even be like? What would it, I mean, maybe it would be like Instagram used to be, where it's just more static photos uh, <laughs> and music. But well, that is, that's interesting. So going back to your story, did so you were already ingrained on social media. How did the creation of your business, Fun Love Media, come up? Was it a natural, um, you know, output of your love for social media? Was it that you were intentionally going and thinking about what else you could do and wanting to create a business and something that worked for your family and life? Or how did it evolve and you and you started the business? Well, it was kind of both, honestly. It did it did naturally come about, but then I got intentional about it pretty quickly. Um, so, and I used to always roll my eyes when somebody would say, "I don't know, I just stumbled into this career, or it just fell in my lap." And I'd be like, "Yeah, right, that never happened." So it kind of happened to me um, because I did love social media so much, and I had been dabbling in it and posting my own things, and I was I was blogging and vlogging and. It, <sighs> you know, exploring all of the things. I had business owner friends that noticed and they would claim to hate social media, which a lot of people, you know, claim that and, and, uh, be like, I don't want to do this, Brittany. Can I just like give you some money? You can just like post something <laughs> for my business. And I was going, wait a minute, what? You're going to pay me to post things for you on social media. This is mind blowing. And this was back in like 2016, maybe maybe the end of 2016. And so I would just do that for friends and like a freelance kind of thing. And it kept going and going. And I just started to realize that's whenever I became more intentional. I started to realize like, yeah, okay, I want to, I want to do this acting thing. I I'm still trying to hold out hope for that and figure that into my life because by then I was a mother and it, you know, things get more complicated. And, um, but I thought, but this social media thing, like, it's really working pretty good. And you haven't really even had to try that hard. Like that's crazy to me. <laughs> and so I finally decided to create it into like turn it into an actual business. And so in January of 2019, I chose the name Fun Love Media and did the paperwork and turned it into an official business and have been ever since. So it's been more than four years now that it's been officially Fun Love Media. Yeah. Wow. And so if you look back, you know, 15, 20 years, or even when you were, you know, in high school, would you have saw yourself as a business owner, a business leader, an entrepreneur? Part of me, yes. And part of me, no. So the reason for that is that because I did want to be an actor on, I'm now I'm talking on high levels of success. I was like, I was watching Full House and I was like, I that's what I need to be doing. I need to be on a hit television show. I'm talking big, big goals. You and I have talked about that before. Yeah. We, both, we both have big goals that some people might kind of scoff at, but you and I are like, no, for real. <laughs> and so that was the, that was the plan. Um, and so in that regard, it was like, well, when you are in that industry, you do kind of have to be, have that entrepreneurial mm -hmm. mentality, but I didn't know that it would be more of a traditional business owner situation because I thought I was just going to be in entertainment. And so I'd have to have that business owner like um, mindset, but not maybe necessarily actually technically own a business. But I grew up in a small family business that my dad actually still owns to this day. He started it when I was two and I started working there when I was 16. And um, he and my brother still still run that business today. And, um, and I learned so much from him. And it, like if I hadn't had that experience, it, I don't know if I would be able to do what I'm doing now, you know, it, it's so valuable to actually be in it and learn from such a young age. It's just kind of like ingrained in my brain, I guess. 
Well, and that's really interesting that you point that out because that was going to be my next question. You know, I grew up with parents that worked at two companies, you know, corporate people. Uh, My mom worked for a smaller company, but my dad worked for a really big company. And I always, you know, tell people that throughout the years, I would have never looked around and said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a business owner and a business leader. I mean, I wanted to be a VP of a company. That was kind of what I was around. And this whole idea of business ownership and and leaving a comfortable, stable job to be an entrepreneur sounded so risky and foreign. And I attributed that now to not seeing it or being around it and not having the experience and comfort. Um, so it's really interesting that you do attribute, you know, growing up in that um, way and and not just being around it, but working in the family business to help and open your mind. But I also yeah. think that in your journey, um, you have been really open to what's the next thing and what's going to come and what is the universe offering me. Um, can you tell us more about that and how that's kind of like helped um, your nonlinear path along the way? It's not easy to do that. I'm going to go ahead and say I may have done that thus far, but it's not <laughs> been easy. I, um, like you, am. I, I, I like to plan things. I like to, I, I want what I want when I want it. I, I decide this is my goal and I want that to happen. <laughs> and I get very um, focused, which is great, but it, but it means that I have to work extra hard to be open-minded and see what unfolds whenever things don't quite go the way that I plan because things just don't usually quite go the way that we plan. That's life. And it was a huge, huge lesson for me. Still is, honestly, because I think our lessons just stay with us from going my entire life, like everything revolved around, I'm going to be in the entertainment industry. Like there was, you couldn't tell me otherwise. There was no, it's like, there's nothing. What else would I do? That's ridiculous. And going from that and that being in in my upbringing and everything, my parents were supportive of it. So there was no conflict there. It was all good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it not happening by a certain time, like we put these timelines on ourselves and these deadlines and me having this kind of like meltdown over it. And I really had to work at it to come to grips with the fact that, wait a minute, but you've got this social media thing. And look, now you can like actually perform on social media. Because like I said, whenever TikTok came around and then of course, Instagram and everybody followed, but you could actually start to use music. And for someone like me, that really matters. And I thought, wait a minute, you can still be a performer. You can figure this out. Because I wanted to perform for millions of people on television. And now it's millions of people on social media. And it's a it's a weird feeling, but it's a good feeling because you can figure it out. Like you can still end up at a similar destination to what your dream, what you've always dreamed of, even if the path changes, you know? And I had to learn that firsthand. And I try to tell people that now because I think that it can be so discouraging whenever the path doesn't go the way that you wanted when it was so important to you because that was so important to me. And um, I mean, who knows? still happen, right? But <laughs> 100%. I mean, I, you know, you can list off actors and uh, different uh, entertainers who really hit it, you know, in their 40s and 50s, and then right. went on to lead amazing careers into their 70s or 80s. So never say never. <laughs> yeah, you never say never, totally. But but it's cool, because 
th- what that's done is it's fueled my social media career and given me more passion behind it to be able to actually want to help others and it not just be some job that I created for myself. And so what I mean by that is like my personal experience has shown me that I had this dream and then it wasn't quite working the way I thought. And then I found a way to help so- to let social media help me kind of make those dreams come true and have that kind of experience, that kind of life. It's similar. And now I'm like, wait a minute so many other people could be doing this, you know? And so I try to talk to people about that. Like what, what have you always dreamt of? What have you always been passionate about? So let's figure out a way to let social media help you with that and help that be a part of your life or help it be your career. And it's totally, totally possible. It's like you have your own little personal TV channel. You can do with it what you want. Absolutely. And it's the mindset in there that matters the most. When you can see that you are living your dream, it just looks differently. That's the shift, right? Right. Is that we have to be open to how it actually comes about and what that looks and feels like. And it may not be precisely what we had hoped or dreamed or envisioned. But when we have the ability to shift and see the beauty in what has become and not what we wanted to become then I think we can still find fulfillment and happiness and success. It's when we're really, really married to a specific um, idea that you know we can feel like failures. And that is the real sadness to me. And that's what I love talking to people about is how we view ourselves, we view our lives, and we view the things around us. Um, I was reading about... I'm going to forget the guy's name. But it was a guy that went to prison who knew he did not commit the murder that he was charged with committing. And he knew that. And while all these circumstances around him were so horrible, I mean, he was in prison for years. Um, He finally got off and got released and everything turned around. And then he got a book deal and, you know, things turned around for him. But in that time, he used the Stoics philosophy to ingrain that, what do I have control over? I have control over how I view life what I see. And when he realized that he could still find happiness and things within the confines of four walls, which was learning, growing, educating himself, um, that there was some beauty and happiness in there in the most dire of situations. And I think that is so powerful uh, because we just have to look at what is around us, what we have control over and how things are going And we can still chip away and work at whatever the bigger goal or the next goal or the different version of what we want to do is. Um, So I applaud you for that because that's not always easy, especially when you have this amazing lifelong dream. Um, But I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I know that your life is, you know, unfolding before you in a magical way. So it's right. excellent. Well, thank um, you. You're right. And that's that's a cool story about that guy. I'd never heard that before. I've never heard of him before. But it's it's really true. And it's when people hear stuff like that, if you're not in the right headspace, it, it's kind of like anything else. You probably could roll your eyes and be like, ugh, all this sunshine and rainbows crap, you know, right? And have this bad attitude about it. it it's not easy. It takes effort to to work on that and to shift your mindset and your outlook and your perspective like he did and like like I was talking about and like a lot of people have had to do um, to, to realize that, wait a minute, maybe things actually are going pretty good. Hang on. Just because they're not the way that I exactly planned doesn't mean they're bad. This is actually kind of cool. And, um, and I know it's hard. It's hard to take that in when, you're, when your brain is not ready 
to go there. But if you can just start gradually working your way there and like he did, figure out what you can control and what you can be happy about and thankful for, I mean, that's gold. That's amazing. Yeah. So I know you are working with a lot of people in your various businesses and a lot of women. So I read a statistic the other day that like, and I'm not good at memorizing numbers or all that. So I I save broad ideas. Okay. Don't (laughs) quote me on this precise. But that in 2022, it was something like 52% of LLCs or businesses created were by women. It was the first time that more than or at least half of the businesses were created by women. Why do you think, and what are you seeing experiencing with the people that you're working with? Why do you think women are flocking to business ownership and entrepreneurship in such high numbers that we've never seen before? I think, you know, I I, I work, work with and have worked with a lot of women. Um, I also have worked with um, great men. And I think that what I've observed is, and of course, I'm going to come at it from a social media perspective, being that that's mm-hmm. my thing. But... I think that that has a lot to do with it, the technology and the the way that we have this, all of us, we have this opportunity to kind of look out into the world, get a peek behind the curtain of other people's lives, businesses, and all these things and communicate and build like these communities online and stuff, right? And, it, and we also have all been through a lot in recent years because of the pandemic and all the weirdness that has gone on from that, right? So it's been a crazy time in general. And I think that the technology that we have, while so so many people will say, oh, social media and blame it for all their problems. Actually, I think it's been great. And I think that if if that means that more women that wanted to be business owners and maybe weren't, maybe they were, you know, nervous or holding back or feeling like they weren't welcomed or anything like that, you can see. You get to use social media and see each other and see other people are doing this and get inspired by other people and learn from them and be a part of these communities. I mean, I the uh, my team member, Megan, who is like family to me now, we met in a Facebook group like six years ago, you know? And that's the only reason why I even know her. So to me, I look at it like it brings us together. And I feel like um, with with all of these women starting their own businesses, I just think it's cool because you can look in social media and you can you can support each other. And you can realize like, this, it's not so weird for me to do this to have a business. Like it's cool. And there's other gals out here doing it and I'm going to go and be inspired by them and I'm going to talk to them and look up to them and support each other. I think it's awesome. Yeah. So some people, you know, roll their eyes and we see on, you know, especially on Instagram, I'm not on uh, TikTok, so I can't speak to that, but I've seen a lot on Instagram, probably much less on, on LinkedIn. Um, But people you know, are saying, look at me, I'm working fully remote, look what I'm doing, um, what you can do with social media, look at my great life, I'm making a million dollars, working two hours a day and floating around the world. Um, some people roll their eyes at that. But yeah. do you see that there's some validity in that? Uh, what do you feel when you see those kind of stories and images? And um, Oh, goodness. To be honest, I think that social media in general and and in that regard is still, you know, there's a bunch of crap still. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that everybody's full of crap, okay? Um there there are plenty of people and and I know some people that that kind of lean in that direction, that kind of lifestyle of like this remote thing. And then it makes sense. Cool. There's technology to support that. It makes sense. You could do that. You could live that life. But I do think it is stretched a bit. And um, and it's kind of like, I compare social media and that kind of thing, like wondering if something's real, 
or not. <laughs> I, I think about television back from whenever I was a kiddo and you didn't have social media and you would see things a bit elaborated on TV, right? Like you might see it, like whether it's a news story that's been elaborated or it's, um, you know, a commercial or an infomercial or something. They're just like, this is the most amazing product ever, you know? <laughs> so we still are getting that. It's just that we're getting it in social media. And I think that um, it makes sense because it's humans and they're going to maybe exaggerate a bit on what the truth is. And I think that the more you use it, the more your little radar can come out and you can tell like who's full of crap and who's not. Uh, sometimes it's hard though. Um, some people have tricked me, that's for sure. But I think that, you know, the more of us that spread the word to use social media for good and to get out there and to be honest and, and look, it's your choice. It doesn't mean you have to tell everything about your life and tell all your secrets. What I mean by honest, it's just whatever you are choosing to share, you're honest about it. Whatever you are choosing to share, you're letting yourself be a little vulnerable. Again, don't got to share your whole life. You choose what parts and on those parts, you be honest. And the more of us that encourage that and build these communities together on social media to do that together, the better place it's going to be. Yep, I agree. And I know I know that people are living like that, but I also know actually some traditional people that are living like that too. Um, you know, there are some people I know actually from LinkedIn. You mentioned meeting people. I've met a lot of people in real life from LinkedIn. Um, if you if you open yourself up to the power that it is and the connectivity and the the common shared goals that you might have, it's just like networking in yeah. real life. You're totally. just networking on the ether webs. Um, it is. But I know a couple that you know the wife is like a, a fractional COO and the husband is a podcast editor. And um, they're living a remote mobile life. I actually know one of my friends from years and years ago that I used to train um, for triathlons with who uh, the husband is a digital marketer for a big traditional company. And they moved in um, with their three kids and went in an RV and traveled around for two years. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it is possible. Cool. It's just um, really heightened, I think, sometimes. Sure. It gets a lot media. of attention. It gets a lot of attention because yeah. it's cool. So that probably skews the actual reality of it to where it's like, it seems like everybody and their dog is out there, you know, living this remote life and traveling the world whenever. It's not that large of a percentage of people, but it gets attention, you know? So, because it's exciting. And it, but yeah, no, it's totally a real thing. But, you know, there are, somebody's always going to stretch the truth on social media. Like there's people that, that rent like time to take a photo shoot with a fancy car and that's not actually their car. So <laughs> I cannot even, I really cannot. If I saw somebody <laughs> doing that or found out that somebody was doing that, I, I don't know. I How mean, embarrassing. I don't think I could do that. It, <laughs> if, if I ever posted it's literally a car lying. that's not mine, I would just be like, oh, this is not my car, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just a total and utter lie. Like you're, you're, you're creating a, a fictional world. Um, and I'm not hating on people that buy, you know, fake brands either. But it it's the same reason that I don't want to do that. It's like, uh, if if I don't care to spend the money or cannot afford to buy something with a name brand, I'm just going to buy something else. Same. Uh, In the same way. It, it's just like you're walking around with a billboard on saying, I can afford this when you really can't. And... Uh, and I yeah, just, no, I'm the same way. I'm like, why we what? What? Yeah. So <laughs> what people, if you're out there doing that, hey, if you just like it and you want it, that's great. But never feel, don't feel pressured to buy into a look or a thing that you know you think might represent you 
You are not your things. You not are not the things that you're wearing or the things that you own or the things that you have. So whether you shop at Walmart and have some really cute little shoes from there for $12 or you have $1,200 shoes, it doesn't change who you are as a person. So do not feel that you need to do that to keep up with other people, especially not on social media. I think people are drawn to authenticity. And that goes into what you've done and why I think you've created the kind of brand for yourself that it is, is because you've been your authentic self who likes to dance, who likes music that's moved by that. And I think that authenticity is what draws people in. Do you agree? I, I agree. It's... um. It's interesting, this journey, and maybe somebody out there can relate or somebody is wanting to dive into social media and being super authentic on there. And maybe it's a bit nerve wracking, which is understandable. But what I've noticed is that the very things that may have felt scary from way back whenever I, before, you know, years ago, as far as getting on social media um, dancing, um, trying to do funny things, um, trying to do inspiring things, say something cool, um, have some music on, all these creative ideas and things I wanted to do that felt so so nerve-wracking. So the the scary things, and we've probably all heard this lesson before, the things that felt really scary are the things that have actually been the best things. And it's interesting because I, you know, you might think like, oh, if I if I get posting things on social media, like people are going to, what are they going to say? What are they going to think of me? I'm going to get rude comments or whatever. And sure, you might eventually, especially if you go viral, it's going to happen. But I actually get way more support than negativity. And it's whenever I'm just being the most laid back, authentic version of myself. Whenever you see me dancing and lip syncing and stuff, like, am I doing it for social media? Of course. Is it a performance? Well, yeah. It's the exact same thing I would do in my house if I was alone and nobody was watching. It's, it's, it's the true authentic version of me whenever I want to let loose and have fun. I'm just choosing to let everybody, you know, in on it and, and see it because I know it's, it's, um, it's relatable. And it also helps me enjoy social media more right? Like if you get on there and you're creating content around things that you like and that you're passionate about, you're less likely to quit, which means you're going to keep showing up, which means you're going to keep building more connections with people, keep meeting more people and enhance your life and your business. Absolutely. And just leaning into fears in general. I mean, that is such a big part of what people need to do in their lives in general to meet where their destiny is, to go to the places that they know in their heart that they want to be what their dreams are, like we started off the conversation, having big dreams and big goals. I think a lot of people have those in there, but they're too afraid to share them, to let them out and to then do the things that will lead them there. Um, I mean, honestly, I had a little bit of reservations having never really been on Instagram. I was like always scoping out people are doing things um, from my husband's Instagram. I had no desire to be on there. And so when I started my Instagram, I had a little bit the same of reservations of like, oh, I don't really want to put myself out there in like that way, you know, like a visual way where people could see me. Um, and I didn't, you know, know how people would react to saying, oh, now you're going to be on Instagram and you're sharing messages and you're sharing, you know, quotes and different things like that. And what does that mean? And who is this person that we didn't know these aspects of you? Uh, it, it is who I am. It is part of what I've done. And people that worked with me in my business life are probably not surprised at all about that. It may just be people that haven't worked with me and haven't had, you know, a chance to see 
what I really do in my day and what I care about that uh, may be surprised, but I haven't, I haven't really gotten any negative feedback. Um, I thought of all the people, my dad would kind of roll his eyes and like, what are you doing? Um, but he's like the biggest supporter of, of the podcast. He is listening to it. Uh, he's definitely not on Instagram, but he sends me it. little Hi, notes. Dad, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he listens. To my, show. <laughs> my dad listens to my show sometimes too. And I'm, I get pretty excited about that. You know, what you just said, Crystal, is really relatable though. When it comes to social media and then having the perspective from your your people you know in what we call IRL, what the kids mm-hmm. call it these days, in real life. Um, it, that, that I think is one of the biggest obstacles that people have to face because you have people, you know, in real life. And a lot of times these people are not creating things on social media, like a small percentage of the population is actually creating content on a regular basis. And that's a really a part of their life and their business, um, every single week. Right. So most other people don't, don't do it and don't get it. And it's, it's very difficult to get over that hump and to realize that they're just not going to understand. Even if they love me so much, they don't get it. And we can't let them be a part of this conversation because they don't understand. And that's why it's so cool to use social media to find that community of people that do understand. So that way you have people to bounce ideas off of, or if you're just having a frustrating day or whatever, they get it because they're creating content just like you are for your business, for your brand, for your show, whatever you're doing. And I, what I've learn is to compartmentalize. Although I think that's a life lesson with people. I truly think that people belong in like, like you're a kind of friend that I can lean on for this. <laughs> you're the kind of person that I can call for this. Not everybody is like universally wonderful in your life. And they're, they're, they're there for different reasons. And I just know that my friends in real life and family that don't really get on social media much, they're just not the people to talk to about it. And it's cool. That's just how it's going to go. You know? Yeah. The hardest thing that I found so far is finding the comfort to say, hey, can you film me real quick while I do this or while I walk in here or whatever? Yes. Um, I haven't done a lot of that yet, but that's the one where it's like, okay, um, yeah, my husband, you know, is embarrassed, honestly. So he's not going to walk around and film me walking. And that's who I'm with the most. I'm like, okay, it's going to be one of you kids. (laughs) But you also see, I've seen a lot of people that are creating on um, social media and you know, because of the angle that it's mostly one of their kids that are filming them or taking their photos or whatever, unless it's, uh, you know, a selfie. Yeah, um, no, it, the, kids, <laughs> the kids can be pretty helpful. I actually, you know, I don't, I don't have to enlist my kids help too much because I'm just uh, alone a lot and I have equipment and stuff. So that's helpful. But I had an instance the other day because a couple of um, social media buddies of mine, these two dudes that are both teachers, but in different locations, um, we decided we would collaborate on a video and we all like to dance. So that, that made sense. And one of them said, well, let's do it at target, but like at our own targets. Right. So like, you know, Josh is going to go to his target. Brittany's going to go to her target. Trevor's going to go to his target and we're all going to film these things. And we had specific things to do. So that way we would all piece together nicely and kind of look like we were all on the same target. And I was like, wait a minute. So this means we need someone to film us after he described like the plan. He said, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my daughter will probably film me. I was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my daughter. And sure enough, my eight-year-old daughter was there with me in Target filming me dancing in the aisle. <laughs> Some guy walks in behind me and I was like, Jesus. <laughs> we finally I mean, got it. We finally got it done. So we'll see. At how this turns. point, you just have to think, you know what I'm doing, man. Just keep walking. Yeah, what are like, you looking at? What is like, there anything like, to see here? You know if somebody is filming, it's probably for social media. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, he really, he was pretty cool about it. He, but he was in my shot. So he messed yeah. it up. We had to start over, but it was, it was so funny. Cause you're right. Like, um, sometimes the kiddos, they come in handy and they're so used to it. Like they're growing up with it, you know? Yeah. Well, on on really the social media aspect for people that may be out there and thinking like social media could help my business, whatever that business may be, or, you know, I want to be a digital creator or I want to start a podcast. I mean, what kind of trends have you seen and then the research that you kind of stay up on um, of where people can like start seeing some monetization from, you know, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or podcasts, what size audiences, you know, really start making a difference in um, how your business is doing based on the output that you or content that you're creating? Right. That's a good question. It's there's so many variables involved. So there's a lot of different answers to that. But in general, I would say that as of right now, as we're in the spring of 2023, because things can change, um, it seems to be more kind of um, powerful or effective if you can find a way outside of the actual platform to monetize. So while these social media platforms have had different ways to monetize in the past, it's always kind of changing. But like Instagram has had a, a thing, TikTok's had, you know, they've all had these things where they say, oh, well, if you get a lot of views, then you'll get some money from us, right? The results on all that from my personal results and then also people I've talked to um, are not, it's not enough to, it's not really enough to make a living. YouTube is a different story and that's a whole different animal, but you know, social media platforms. So what I say is if someone wants to make it a part of their business and really end up benefiting from it financially is use it as part of your overall marketing strategy for your business as if it's another marketing um, expense kind of like, you know, so even podcasting, it's a really good example, actually, we're seeing is that more and more businesses are considering doing, you know, having their own podcast for their business or for the individual, the business owner, and it's it's after their name. And that's cool, you know, whichever way. And not doing it with the intention of necessarily getting advertisers and that being the way to make money from it, but doing it with a, as a way to get the word out about your expertise, what you do, how you help, what kind of person you are, all those things that somebody might want to know before they work with you. And that's actually like advertising for you. And you make sure you have the information readily available, right? Like how, you know, like in the show notes and all these things of how they can, you know, find out more about your business. You can even record your own ad. We do that with our clients, um, with our podcasting clients. Like they, they'll, they record their own little ad, like a 30 to 60 second ad that's about their business, whatever they want to talk about at that time. And it actually gets inserted in the middle of the episode as if, as a, as an advertiser would do, you know? Um, and you can end up building up your client base from that. And it's the same thing with social media. You know, you're on here to welcome people into your world. You're making this content to try to attract people to you. And then you move them down the line of buying things from you. Absolutely. So where, I mean, if you just had to put in broad, broad, I mean, you know, knowing that everybody's business is different and every industry that you're in is different, um, what do you think is kind of like that that hill that once you get to this hill, you'll you'll start seeing out across the land some positive aspects? I mean, do you think it's like five thousand, you know, connections or followers, ten thousand? I mean, we're just, I know that it's different for everybody, but if you yeah. just had to paint a broad stroke, what would you see? Say I, actually, goals? You know, the, I would actually base it on 
how long and how consistent you've been putting out content. I wouldn't even base it upon the following. I know that that's not the answer people want. People want to know, people want to have a goal and to be like, I feel like once I reach 5,000 Instagram followers, some sort of magical shit's going to start happening. <laughs> but it, it doesn't. Um, it, it, you still have to feel it with, with work behind it and figure out a way to monetize, right? Um, and so I think that it's really honestly about your consistent effort and your effort can be at different levels. That also gets customized. It depends on your goal. So I tell the people in my membership or my listeners, you can use this different, this little method, right? So we have, um, we have focused, fine, and force. Those are my three F's because I love an F word. And focused would be somebody whose business, for example, you work with people one-on-one. And that's how your business is. You're, you do one-on-one consulting. You can only work with a few people at a time because that's all that time allows. That's the kind of business you want to have. Cool. So that means you don't have to be worrying about all these growth tactics and having thousands and thousands of millions of followers because your business can't even support that. Like, it's cool. That's that's how it's supposed to be. So you can have like more of a, um, a you can have a lighter effort when it comes to social media content, right? But if you're in the middle and what I call fine, you kind of, it's, it's just a middle ground, right? So it's like, you maybe you work with more than just one-on-one, but you don't need to reach like millions of people. So you're in that middle spot. And then there's what I call force. And that's what somebody like me would fall into. It's probably what you would fall into because if you have a podcast or if you have a book or you have anything where volume matters, where you need a lot of people to make your business thrive, then it does matter that you have more following, right? Because you want more people to be in your community so that they know about your show, about your book, about your speaking engagements, about whatever the hell you're doing. So everybody has to choose their approach and know that your results are going to vary from others because it depends on what your goal is. You know what I'm saying? And, and but anybody is going to, is anybody's going to benefit from being consistent, right? So if you're in the smaller category, you don't really need to have tons of followers. You should still post a couple times a week, like have something consistent happening, show up, engage with your people. But if you need to like, you know, sell, you know, 10,000 books in the next few months, then you probably should be posting every single day and be much more aggressive. That's awesome. That's, I mean, and I do think it's true. Like people want just a number, right? Because it's like a practical, tangible point to get to. Uh, But sometimes, um, you know, it's, it's more subjective than objective. Right. You know, objective is like a very specific number. Subjective is like it depends on what the structure is, right? Um, but totally I think not, it's frustrating. I I understand. Trust me, because I want I my brain works like that. Like I like to have like a number, but I have learned that that is not the case, and it depends upon your goals and and all the things that come along with it. But no matter is, what, by by ghosting, if you if you're gonna make social media a big part of your business and your brand, which I think you should. Any, you know, anybody should that's listening, you, no matter what, should have some sort of um, kind of schedule, kind of thing you go by to show up consistently. And even if it's once a week, like you've just got to have something to have your people rely on. Because if you go and you're wishy-washy and then you don't show up for four weeks and then you post five times next week and it's all just, kind, it's just not going to be as effective, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People like to know what to expect you know, so mm-hmm. it is well, people have a lot going on. So you're just staying top of mind. Honestly, a lot of the times, whenever, whether it's a post for myself, whether it's for my show, whether it's for one of our clients, 
a lot of times it's like what you would call evergreen content. So it's not necessarily something that's going on like that's timely or it's like a, you know, a promotion or something. It's just evergreen. It's something that it's maybe um, on your topic of expertise or whatever the content is about. And it, you're, you're doing that just to stay top of mind for people because they're not always ready to buy right? Like what are the odds that right when you post your video, someone happens to want to buy the exact thing that you sell? The odds are very low. But by showing up like this, people, you know, if you're a real estate agent and you make sure you post three times a week, that's what you do. That's your little routine, the end. Well, when somebody sees it, they're just reminded, oh yeah, that's right. Sally does real estate in Houston. Okay. And then one day, what if they need something or if they know someone that needs something, you've been showing up in their feed. So you're going to be more top of mind. Yeah. And I think that works the same. You know, what I've seen and experienced is, um, you know, on LinkedIn with professionals, whether it's um, lawyers, accountants, you know, fractional leadership, um, consultants, expressing the, you know, technical knowledge that you have and reminding people and using case examples. And there's so many ways that you can leverage that as a social media. And it's it's almost even hard because it is a social media. It's almost even hard for me. Like LinkedIn to me is in a different category almost. Um, but you can use it just the same. And I have seen a lot of professionals utilizing that, having totally mastered that and exploded their business in that way. So, you know, whether or not that's your goal, I personally think if, um, you know, I, I speak to lawyers a lot because I'm, I have a background as a lawyer and I have a lot of friends that are lawyers and just seems to be all the people around me are lawyers. So I speak to that a lot and, and say, you know, if you get active on LinkedIn and you start showing that and you start showing up on there, I think, you know, it broadens the scope of what um, clients you can bring in if you want to start, you know, getting out of the rat race part of being a lawyer, which is like just billing hours, you've got to bring in clients in. That's got to be your job. You know, it's one or the other. And sometimes it's a little of both. But if you get out there, you can start bringing in and building your own clientele in that way. Or you can be leveraging your technical expertise and your experiences and all that you've been doing to potentially show to other employers um, to move onward or to move in-house or whatever the goal you may have is. But there's a lot of power there. I mean, you, a guy I know that's also in insurance, um, he said what I thought was so just phenomenal. It's like, what is the, the, the value of being on social media as a consultant or a professional? It, it's like your own mini commercial and it's airing for free 24 hours a day. It's there. If you're on LinkedIn or on Instagram or wherever else, it's right there. If your customers are there, you need to be there and they can just be, you know, we've all woken up at 2am and like, oh my God, I cannot go back to sleep. I lay there, I lay there, I lay there. Oh, maybe I should just get on social media. Maybe I should open up my little phone. <laughs> and you can see things scrolling up. And so people could literally be finding you, finding your contact, thinking about a problem they have at their office or something else they want to do. And there you are at 2 a.m. and you didn't pay for it. Well, you kind of paid for it in your time, right? In your time to create the post, create your presence, whatever. But I think there's a ton of value for everybody. Um, in being on some amount of, of of social media, and you have to choose the right one. Um, I know you're on like all the social medias, but that's kind of your job. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think, and you you can tell me what you would tell your own clients. But I think from from my perspective and my own experience, it would be hard for me to want to be on like all the 
all of them. Yeah, it might be hard to want it. Um, I think that it's a I have maybe maybe an unpopular opinion on this. I'm not really sure. I think that the more the better, but you but you choose how, what combo and what um, type of plan works for you. So what I mean by that is that, well, one, I don't think you should ever put all your eggs in one basket. So I don't think that you should just be on one platform. I think you should be on at least two. But that does not mean that you are sharing the same quantity of content on every single one simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So you know, I like to say, you, you know, you have a hub, you have a primary. So for me, it's Instagram. That's not even where my biggest following is, but it's where my most engaged following is. And I like it. And it kind of just makes sense for what I'm doing right now. You just kind of piece it all together. That's one thing we do in my membership. Like we have a starter pack where it's like, okay, figure out which one's best for you, that kind of thing. So you figure that out and you have a primary, but then it's good to have a secondary because there's all, it's always smart in, in marketing to have another touch point with, with your clients or potential clients. So, but like say that like LinkedIn is my secondary. Well, that just means that I need to make sure and have a presence there, have all my stuff filled out, all my contact, all my picture, all that stuff. But maybe I don't share there every single, because I share on Instagram every single day, literally without fail. But on Instagram, I mean, on LinkedIn, it might be less. So you can, you can, you can customize it to what you like, but I do say have at least two. So that way you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, and I think that it also, just like before, I was saying with the approach with the focus, fine, and force thing, it also depends on what your goal is. You know, if your goal is to reach the masses with your podcast, then you should probably be on every single platform. Doesn't mean that you have to do the exact same activity on every platform, but you should have a presence there because you're trying to reach maybe tens or hundreds of thousands or even a million people. But if you're not trying to do that, then you know what I mean? So it just, it totally depends on your goal. And what you're trying to do with it. Yeah. So what are the biggest trends or trend do you think that we'll see in 2023? Anything changing? Anything new? Anything to be aware of for people that you know aren't staying on top of it? Right. Well, on social media so far in 2023, and we're recording in what, April. So, and this is something that I predicted before, just based upon general knowledge in the industry, is that Facebook is having a real good moment this year. Um, I think that it took a backseat for a little while to Instagram, to TikTok, because in the social media world, at least, you know, those two platforms got more attention. It's like cute, fun, new um, videos, music, all that stuff. Right. And that's cool. And, you know, it had had its moment, but Facebook is still the biggest one. It has the most users. It's been around for a really long time and it's still going strong. And I just think that it's interesting how it's kind of come back around and it's it's coming true just what just what we thought would happen where now reels are not just a thing for Instagram they're a thing for Facebook and they're not as saturated yet so you can really make a lot of um, progress there as far as like getting eyeballs on your content if you're using Facebook reels um, a lot of people are using their Facebook personal profile I do that and um, and just build it up that way and use it as a public thing. But it's technically a personal profile. You know, it's not a business page. Um, I just think Facebook, it's cool. I mean, everything, I still love, (laughs) I still love the other platforms, but I do think that Facebook's having a big year. So when you see people that are, that have their reels, um, do they have to upload those natively and differently in, in Facebook than they do in Instagram? 
You don't have to. Most people should have the ability to link the two together to where it'll just post on both whenever you post from one. Um, it's just something in the settings. Uh, I, I have run into clients where that setting didn't work for them. <laughs> so there have been exceptions where we have to manually post it on each one. But um, for, for most people, you should be able to, to set it up to, to go simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really interesting because again, having just got on Instagram... Um, I certainly looked at the Facebook reels before, you know, it's like uh, just scroll, scroll, scroll. And then I was like, oh, what is this person's profile on Instagram like? Well, some people have like 25 reels on Facebook that are all, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of views. But if you go to their Instagram, they actually have regular content uploaded. So it's, I mean, just from a perspective, why would you do that? And like trying to dissect it, it's just really interesting now seeing what it is. Um, There's a, um, um, like a a Buddhist guy that I found that I really liked on, um, on Facebook for all of his inspirational messages and just kind of practical wisdom in my mind. Um, And he has quite a, few reels. And then I went to Instagram. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's real popular. He has like 10 million followers. <laughs> and I just would have never known that. And he has a yeah, lot it, of content no, it going. Totally, it totally differs from one platform to another. Um, I mean, there's people that on TikTok have reached, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers or even millions of followers. And you go to their Instagram and they have like 2000 followers. It's not, so it's not um, universal. It's just, it's, you. it's, you know, it can vary. And I do think that it's cool when you can get to where you have a bigger following on all of them, but you don't have to like be obsessed with that. Like it, it, sometimes it's just not, they're, the numbers will be different and it's cool, you know? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I have so loved this conversation and just diving in to all of these topics with you. Uh, the final question that I think would be interesting for everybody is, what is in the future for Brittany? Is there anything interesting or something that the people that know you the best would be surprised that you want to do or are planning to do in the future? I don't know that I have very many surprises in stores because <laughs> I think that I'm pretty transparent. People pretty much know what 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 I what I am and what I'm doing. But I will say that I do look forward to finally finishing the book that I started like three years ago and put on the back burner because I started building my company. So um, you know, what what pays gets the attention, right? <laughs> so so I keep telling myself, you have really need to finish that book. Uh so that's definitely gonna be happening. Um I'm definitely gonna be diving more into a speaking career. Um it's something that I've just dabbled with and that of course with the pandemic it kind of um, meant that we just all did everything virtually and you really didn't do things like that for a while. Um, but I, I am looking forward to being in front of live audiences again. And, um, you know, in the past, it was always on a stage in the theater doing a show and and now it'll be different. But like we said, you know, it, it's um, just because it's different doesn't mean it's it's worse. And I'm looking forward to that, getting in front of people and really connecting with people in person. I'm just so used to doing it all on social media all the time, you know? which I love, but there's nothing like real life. So. No, it's awesome. I, I know that I'm, I'm working on doing the same in the next 12 months also, because I just love connecting with people, seeing people's faces, um, just hearing the stories and, you know, finding that connectivity with people that sometimes you don't get, um, not necessarily on social media, but you just don't um, always talk about the same things or in the same way or have the depth that you would 
um, in person. And I do love that. And I think there's so much value in that. Um, And I look forward to getting out there and talking to a lot of women in the next 12 months as well. Um, That's awesome. So keep us posted. Tell me about the book. I will be really looking forward to that because I'm an avid book reader. um, And uh, we'll just have to have you back when you have your book out. Yes, that'd be great. Thank you. Well, awesome, Brittany. Well, I thank you again for all the time and sharing all your wisdom with us and coming on. Guys, all of Brittany's social media and business links will be in the show notes. So you can check it out and you can connect with her and reach out. And I promise you, you will be entertained and you will enjoy watching Brittany and her most recent, all your collaborations and mashups, which are so, 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 so much fun. Um, <laughs> is the one the one that you were talking about with Target, is that already out or is it 2BD? It's, yeah, it's not out as we're recording it, but it should be soon. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. Well, I hope you have a blessed rest of your day and week. And thank you again. Everybody check it out. And just remember guys, you know, whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your dreams, you really can make it happen. You are made for more. So please start living like it today. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.